are you? I told you. I'm Dinan. I tend bar and I listen. Hi, and welcome to Women at Warp. Join us as our crew of four women Star Trek fans boldly go on our bi-weekly mission to explore our favorite franchise. My name is Andy, and thanks for tuning in. Today I am joined by Jera. Hi, Jera. The idea of fitting in just repels me. <laughs> is it Jera or is it Guinan? Who's that? Both. <laughs> you don't have big enough hats to pull off Guinan. I'm sorry, no, Jera. That, that's, that's very true. Just I just have the, the same attitude today. Oh, okay, very zen-like sage with great hats. So you might have guessed that today we're going to be discussing one of our favorite TNG characters, Guinan, purveyor of space drinks and wearer of epic hats. To do that, we have some lovely guests, including Lindsay. Lindsay, hey. why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey, well, I'm just a big sci-fi fan. I'm here. Uh, I work in education. I'm from New York City. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty much you it. Like, you like talking <laughs> about Star Trek. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny. I um, So I work and live in Harlem, uh, and I work in advisement with students of color, and so representation pretty much uh, matters to me very much, and uh, Star Trek is all about that. So that's why I love talking about Star Trek. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually met, air quotes, met Lindsay because she follows my Twitter and we basically had this run of DS9 episodes where I'd say something and she'd be like yeah totally and then also this I'm like oh my god we're soulmates right now so much, I was like hey much. you want to talk about Guinan and she was like obviously I want to talk about Guinan so here she is Welcome, <laughs> and may Lindsay. I just say your tweets are hilarious if anyone <laughs> listening is not following you uh, they really should we have a lot of fun with it, so I, I'm I'm glad you were able to be here today. Thanks so much. Yeah, thanks. And our other guest is Aliza. Aliza Pearl. Hi. Hello. Why don't you tell us about your work, because you've been doing some really cool stuff with regards to Guinan. Yes, thank you. Um, well, I'm Aliza Pearl. I'm an actor and a writer in Los Angeles, and uh, I, similar to Andy, a couple of years ago, I started watching all of Star Trek from start to finish. And once I got to TNG, I was remembering watching it as a kid and remembering how much I love Guinan. And I was like, I really want to see Guinan's backstory. Um, and I want to, and I searched it and I looked to see if there were even any like fan fiction novels or anything. And there was nothing. And I was like, hmm, maybe I should create this. <laughs> so for the past year, me and my co-producer, Shelton Perry, have been writing and uh, working towards creating a Guinan backstory series. So... Yeah, it looks really cool, and um, I have to say, uh, you wear the hat well. Oh, thank you. That is a high compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, the first time I saw you was um, the web series Banff Girls Club. Just basically, oh. if you haven't seen it, guys, go check it out on YouTube. It's it was like, it's like Katniss and Michonne and Bella, <laughs> Bella, of course, Buffy. Bella, Hermione, <laughs> yes. just hanging out in a house together. It's the best. It really is. I, I enjoy yeah. how you end up in the corners sharpening your swords all the time, glaring Thank at you. everyone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, Bamp Girls was super, super fun. And I met some amazing people who I still collaborate with now from that. Like uh, me and Amanda Troop, who was Hermione on Bamp Girls Club. We are in a um, an improvised Star Trek TNG-style show here in L.A., 
And, That's so um, cool. Yeah, like, yeah, um, it's it's so much fun. And Star Trek has really, um, you know, as as a child, it really formed my identity, and it it helped um, me explore my creativity and my imagination. And then as an adult, revisiting it, it's really like expanded my creativity in a new way as a writer and as an actor. So I'm so happy to be here talking to you. Yay! Yay! Awesome guests. So, Guinan. <laughs> Guinan is mysterious. So when I was looking into this episode, I was like, well, I'm going to look up Guinan's background. Hmm. I don't know where Guinan comes from, really. (laughs) Like She's uh, Elorian, but they don't have a whole lot of information about what that means. Um, It Mm -hmm. seems like a kind of race that is basically human, except for they live for a long time, and they might have some empathic abilities. But really, a lot of her backstory and a lot of who she is and a lot of her race is mysterious, which is one yeah. of the things I like about it, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, she just kind of and she also just really pops out of nowhere in that first episode she's in. Right. And no one ever like, explains, like, why she's on the Enterprise or how she got there in the first place. Yeah. It's all very vague. Which is one of the things I like about her, to be honest, because it lets you wonder and it keeps her being this kind of unknown quantity, which I think is really cool. And I think she brings out a lot of cool stuff in the other characters. Her first episode is The Child, which I don't know why we keep having to talk about The Child. And I wish I never had to talk about it again because I hate it so much. But that's her first episode. Um so for those of you who don't remember, the child is the one where uh, Troy has some sort of energy being impregnate her. <laughs> and uh, then she has a child. Yeah. I think it's fair to say it's the highlight of the episode. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you mean you don't like it when Riker's stomping around asking, who is the father? <laughs> Yeah, Maury should walk in at that point. Oh my god! <laughs> yes, I really think that there's not a whole lot to say about her in this episode, except for the fact that hey, she's there, and that's cool. Well, maybe before we get too much like into her specific episodes, I will just throw out this fun fact because you know you were saying she's a very mysterious character, so I'm like trying looking through all my Star Trek reference books to try and find anything. Um, about like the creation of the character um beyond you know of course hopefully people are familiar with the story about why Whoopi Goldberg wanted to be on Star Trek which is that she saw Nichelle Nichols on TV as a child and that inspired her um to you know to go to her mother and and you exclaim that there's a black woman on TV and she ain't no maid um and uh, so that's really cool so then she heard that Denise Crosby was leaving TNG and told her friend LeVar Burton I want to be on Star Trek and they didn't believe her because she was too big name of a star to want to be on Star Trek um and uh so eventually she called the offices and and said she wanted to be there um and uh they invited her on. The fun fact that I found out it was in uh, Larry Nemechek's Star Trek Next Generation Companion, which is that the character was named after Queen of the Nightclubs, Texas Guinan, the toast of Times Square, who was a 
bartender hostess in the 1920s with the signature greeting, hello, suckers. So <laughs> I enjoyed that. That does seem oh, like I a wish good would have said for that. her. <laughs> but she'd say it in a really like nice, chill way. That you'd be like, wait, what? What did you? What did you just say? <laughs> like you'd never realize. I don't know. I've I've always found it interesting that we have this really apparently powerful person, and she's tending bar. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. So that's. I mean, for me, like as a writer, um, that's what I was like. Wait a minute. Who like spends centuries of their life? doing something mysterious we don't know about and then becomes a bartender like what must she have done before this moment she must have done everything you know she must have like lived so many different lives and been on so many different planets and just goodness i see her like just in battles and who knows who knows what she did but for her to be like you know what i'm gonna take i'm gonna retire i'm just gonna chill and be a bartender like that's very intriguing Yeah, I feel like she's just there listening to everybody and, uh, you know, just kind of being like this unofficial, uh, you know, unofficial advisor to Picard. And I feel like she has this, um, I mean, I say unofficial, but I, I feel like maybe in the background there was some conversation about, you know, I need you on board or something. But these are just fangirl fantasies, perhaps. I don't know. I kind of like the idea of someone who just wants to wander the galaxy and collect people's stories. I think that's really cool because there's a lot of stuff going on on the Enterprise. I mm-hmm. mean, she definitely learned a lot about people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. I think I think at one point, um, I don't remember what episode it is, but. Uh, she, I think it might be Times Hour, some somewhere where they're they're back in the past, and she says, um, you know, are, you know, did your father send me, you know, or, or did your father send you, um, you know, I'm not done listening, I'm not done, I'm not done listening to what's to what's going on. So I feel like she just wherever she is, she's just, you know, kind of like the Doctor in Doctor Who, where she's just there to like experience what's going on and learn as much as she can, and then move on. You know, because, I mean, no matter how long she is anywhere, she has all the time in the universe, really, um, to just sit and chill and listen. If you think about it, that's kind of the perfect life. Just wander, experience life wherever you find it. Yeah, she's just chilling, you know. Just chilling, having a good time. Passing out drinks. (laughs) (laughs) With her, what is everyone's first impressions and, like, first thoughts about this super cool character? Well, it's funny. Um, when I started watching Star Trek, which actually wasn't that long ago, I want to say uh, 2011, 2012, I started with TNG. And by the time I got to season two, uh, when she first pops, when she first pops up, um, I had remember or I had remembered seeing her or seeing TNG on TV, just in syndication, I would you know, go through channels as a kid. Uh, and I remember seeing her like, Oh, that's Whoopi Goldberg. She's in this weird show. Okay. And so when I went to actually watch it a couple of years ago and I saw her pop up on the screen, I was like, Oh, Oh, there she is. Oh, okay. Was this that show that I was kind of sort of flipping through as a, as a kid. And, um, I don't know. I was just really excited to see her. I'm a fan of hers anyway. Um, and I was excited to see, 
another black person on the screen, to be honest. Um, I mean, if you can find me another sci-fi franchise with like more than one black person with a name, that'd be great. (laughs) But that's one of the things that really excited me about seeing her on the show. Um, As far as first impressions of her character, I just thought she was freaking cool. I mean, she wears these like crazy dresses and these crazy hats and I just loved her. I just loved her. What about you, Jara? Um, you know, I remember watching her as a kid and just thinking she was so cool and I just really wanted to be her friend. I don't have a lot of specific recollections about favorite episodes at the time. Um, although I definitely remember her stabbing Q in the hand with a fork as a highlight. <laughs> well, who wouldn't want to stab Q with a fork, really? Exactly, oh. and who else could get away with it? <laughs> she did what we all wanted to do. What they all wanted to do on the on the ship, too. I'm sure Worf was jealous. He was like, wait a second, we get to stab him? <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Eliza? Um, yeah, so uh, similarly, I think um, I'm just, as an adult, really kind of soaking in who Guinan really was and what she meant to the show at that time. As a kid, I did watch it, and um, I mean, in general, my viewing of TNG as a kid was very spotty because um, I just watched some episodes here and there, and my dad watched Voyager mostly. He was really into that, and so I remember certain things about Guinan, and just similar to you, you guys, like, the hats were awesome. I'm like, who is this mysterious lady? She's pretty special. Um, And she definitely had that... um, that effect funny enough that lieutenant uhura had on whoopi goldberg she had that effect on me because i was like "Ooh, it's a black lady in sci-fi i love sci-fi maybe i could do that one day (laughs) and so it's like this nice little yeah it's this nice little like perpetuating legacy that's happening maybe um and so yeah i guess as an adult coming back to it and watching it um just sitting down and paying attention to it not watching it as a kid um Guinan, yeah, like the mystery is there. Um, she's this comforting, lovely, soothing presence. I love that she just pops out of nowhere. But ultimately, for me, I'm like, what? I want more of her. I want more. Like, you know, I want. To, I want to know more about her story, and and I want to delve into it. And it's kind of like there's this thing with black characters in the '90s. Where have you ever heard of the magic magical ne- negro? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Guinan was like that. And it's like this really fun, cool thing that would happen, but it became uh, a trope and it became very just like, oh, we're going to have an older black person who's wise and who helps the the main characters do what they need to do. And that's exactly what Guinan was. So, yeah. (laughs) So watching it for me, I just kind of like, I want to know more. I want to dive deeper. I want to see how she became who she is. Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things that I was noticing when I was looking through, because she's in 28 episodes, and I'm looking through them, I don't think you could classify any of them as a Guinan episode. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, we have this character that's so amazing, but really, she's a support character in basically everything. I mean, it depends on who they're pairing her with. I mean, they give her moments with Wesley, and they give her moments with Roe, and they give her moments with Riker, where she's supporting them. Right. She's Mm -hmm. she's giving them Mm -hmm. advice. She's listening to their problems. She's helping them. All that's really cool. And I I think she does it in a really it's I think it's a well-written way. Um, So you're interested and she's interesting. 
but we don't get anything that's like for her, just for Mm -hmm. her. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that character could have held up. I think that we could have had a Guinan episode easily and it could have been awesome, but I don't think that you can really classify them, any of them, as a Guinan episode. No, that's true. So uh, Whoopi Goldberg, after season four, was sort of asked, you know, what do you want to happen to your character? What do you think is going to happen? And she said, I actually don't want her to do too much. I just want her to be able to help them do what they need to do in the gentlest possible way. I don't think Guinan can do too much more than that or be more than that on the show because then it would take away from the other characters. So I think that just what she's doing is right. So I'm not saying that is what I think, but just a comment on what she said at the time. But it could also just be that she was told that, like, you know, you don't want to be a star of this show, then we're not going to make you the star of an episode. I don't know. Um, but mm-hmm. it's it's for sure, um, I think there's... I would have liked to see more. Yeah. yeah. We needed a yeah. spin-off series a long time ago. That's what it yes. is. Well, that's what I mean, Elisa's doing. She's giving us our spin-off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, if you think about it in like terms of other characters that are, that are recurring, think of Ro. Ro had mm-hmm. way less episodes and way more, like, meat. You know, she had episodes Mm -hmm. that were completely about her and she had a huge impact on that universe and they gave her a very specific arc. We don't get that with Guinan and she's in three times as many episodes. Right, right. I mean, I think something that the Guinan character does very well, though, is bring out the best of every other character. So while it kind of sucks that we didn't get to delve more into delve more deeply into her character and learn more about her and her background, which I would have loved to, um, to have learned about. Um, She still kind of has this amazing function in the show where she just, you know, she's the perfect advisor, really. She brings up everything that, that needs to be brought up so that people can do what they need to do um, and do it well. So, you know, it's kind of, I mean, unfortunately, I guess they thought it was one or the other or whatever, but I'm glad that we got that aspect of her. I think that, you know, she ended up filling in the counselor role in a way more effective way than they wrote Troy to be able to do. And yeah. Um, oh, yeah. we see that in a similar situation on Deep Space Nine with Vic Fontaine kind of filling in later when there's still a counselor there, but she doesn't really get to do a lot. And Vic ends up like doing all the major counseling. Um, and, but I would argue like we probably got more insight into holographic <laughs> Vic Fontaine than into Guinan's background, which isn't yeah. to say that like I would definitely hang out with Guinan any day of the week over Vic, but oh yeah, <laughs> just for, for the point of comparison. Yeah. To get a little um, literary nerdy on it. Um, the thing is like Guinan, you, you like, she's written very well because she serves you're right she serves exactly that purpose she kind of comes in just to help aid things along and to counsel people and it's wonderful and it has like a deep I don't know if the writers I'm sure the writers did think of this in some way but there's have you heard of the Jinn J-I-N-N it's um it's this uh, I'm not even sure how to describe it properly but it comes from Islamic art and uh fiction and it's a device that's used in science fiction to kind of, um, it, it's, it can be a person or it can be a thing that just appears out of nowhere. And it's as if it almost has always existed, but it doesn't. And it only exists like 
in a certain plane or parallel universe or something and it intercepts our universe. Um, and so that's what Guinan is. She pops up out of nowhere. She has no real backstory, but she helps things along. She's always been there and she's always existed. And so she's like this magical djinn type of thing. People mm. probably have uh, more of a sense of the djinn as the kind of a westernized version of the genie. That's where yes. that comes from. That's where exactly. that concept comes from. It's an Islamic myth- mythological creature, basically. Um, and then, you know, the whole idea of the wishes and everything, it's, it's a, it's a little bit more westernized version of it. But I think that's, that's true. She kind of comes when she's needed, basically. Yeah. Yeah. That's the cool thing. Cause the second you see Guinan, you're like, Oh, something's about to happen. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really think that we're lucky that we had uh, Whoopi Goldberg because I feel like with a, a lesser actress, this could have been very one note and she was able to add so many layers to it that it didn't just become, oh, here's the person that's going to give advice. Mm-hmm. It was it was deeper than that. And uh, a lot of that, I think, has to go to just her whole, the whole aura that Whoopi Goldberg was able to bring to her. Oh, goodness, yes. I, I would get chills when I would see her little moments with Picard when they're like, older, we, we're, friend, we're much more than friends. And like all that stuff gave me chills. And I think it's because Whoopi is an actress who can like hold her own with someone like Patrick Stewart. And they were able to have that strong, deep connection um, as these characters and probably as actors, too. Like there was they, they just vibed very well together. I don't think there are very many actors that can hold their own with Patrick Stewart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whoopi definitely was the one to bring it, so to speak, <laughs> in that role. So we have a list of episodes for her. As I said, she's in 28 episodes. But the interesting thing for me when I was looking through them is that for most of them, we we marked a handful that we I mean, that we thought might need more discussion. But one thing that I was noticing when I was rewatching some of them and thinking of them is mostly I'm remembering moments. So not just, not the episode so much as, you know, a five, five minute moment that she had within it. Yeah, yeah. So the first one we had was the child in which she was introduced. Um, but the next one, and when we put it out there for uh, people to, to tell us what they thought of Guinan, this is definitely the moment that came up the most, is her scene with Picard in The Measure of a Man. Yes. So <laughs> Measure of a Man is my favorite TNG episode. And P- that scene with Picard and Guinan is actually my favorite scene in all of TNG and actually all of Star Trek that I have seen thus far. Um and for those of you who don't remember, Measure of a Man is the episode in which Data goes on trial to basically prove his personhood. Um, and there's this this lovely scene between Picard and Guinan where Picard's trying to work through the, the moral dilemma he has here. And she's basically guiding him through that. And we got a lot of comments that basically that was that was the moment that everyone really connected with, which doesn't surprise me at all, to be honest. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I was talking about, you know, representation before and representation matters, like this, this for me is the scene that really just brought it out for me. Um, 
I mean, because she's talking about slavery. She's talking about, you know, colonialism. She's talking about assimilation. She's talking about what happened to her people. And she's making Picard understand, like, bro, it's not about all this other stuff. It's about who are we going to be? Are we going to be the people who are creating and enslaving um, people and or making a labor force, you know, out of beings that are just there, you know, um, or are we going to be people who respect life in every form, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I just love that she's able to bring out that perspective just from being who she is and being someone who, um, you know, had that in her past and had that in her, you know, her cultural, uh, background, the experience of her people, you know? Yeah, I mean, the thing that I love so much about it is not just uh, the context within the episode, but the context within television, within our own society, because you Mm -hmm. have a black woman talking to a white man through this. Mm -hmm. They like to have us think that at this point in, in, you know, history, that this is not a problem anymore. But they're writing it at a time when it still is very much a problem. So I always thought it was amazing to have those kind of meta levels on top of everything else. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Brittany, our listener and previous guest, um, commented, In Measure of a Man, you have a black woman drawing out a response that is forcing a white man in a position of authority to acknowledge a civil injustice, an injustice that is forcing the white male to recognize the humanity and worth of something that lots of people claim is property or don't recognize has the right to self-determination. Yeah, I mean, that nails it. And just having that on top of the whole theme of that episode with data, I just, I think it's really beautifully done. And I don't think that that scene works without those extra, well, maybe it works, but it doesn't work nearly as well without those extra layers. Yeah. This is like that moment, that scene in the whole episode is really Trek doing what it does so well, which is bringing our current, like whatever current political or sociopolitical thing that we still are dealing with just contextualizing it in a way that makes us think about it deeper. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal of sci-fi, really. It's to take us out of all of the baggage we have with the moment and, you know, force us to look at humanity from a different perspective. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sue and I actually had a chance to talk to Melinda Snodgrass about this episode a little bit when we were at Dragon Con, and Whoopi Goldberg was not supposed to be in this episode. They added her because she was supposed to have, by contract, she was supposed to be in a certain amount of episodes per season. And so they they basically, it was a contract decision to have her in this episode, which is amazing. Huh. What? Oh, wow. <laughs> what? Like, Can well, you imagine? I mean, oh, man. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, props to Melinda Snodgrass being like, well, obviously, the second I was told I could have Whoopi Goldberg, like, I went for it, you know, full force. But she was not originally written to be in that episode. I just feel like that conversation is such a turning point because that's when Picard realizes, you know, and, and the arguments that he uses afterward, uh, after that that conversation is really what, I mean, frees Data, for the lack of a better word, you know, so just to think of her not being in that episode is kind of like, 
buy data. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, props to Patrick Stewart here too, because he plays that moment of dawning realization so perfectly where he's like, wait a second. I never thought about it this way. How did I miss this? You know? And, Mm -hmm. um, the, that is, oh God, I could go, we could talk this whole hour about that scene. (laughs) (laughs) Now, one thing that I think comes up when we talk about Guinan, well, two things. One is Q. So Q is kind of our trickster character that comes in and out. And Q is actually the person that comes in and makes us realize that Guinan is more than she seems. The first episode she does that is Q Who, um, which I know, <laughs> I know it's kind of hard to remember which Q episode is what. Um, Q Who is the one where Q throws them forward 7,000 light years and they encounter the Borg for the first time. The Borg being the other kind of, I don't know, you could call entity that I think of when I think of Guinan. Um, so this is the episode, Q Who, where we find out that, you know, her people were destroyed, that the Borg is introduced, and that Q makes it very clear that Guinan is more than she seems. Yeah, I like this episode because she's, I mean, this is like the first time where she's like, hey, something's wrong, guys. Uh, we should do something. <laughs> yeah, she has this lovely little moment where she calls the bridge and Riker's like, Guinan? <laughs> okay, you're calling us. And she's like, what's wrong? What's happening? He's like, nothing. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Something, Something's happening. What's going on? And then we find out, you know, that Picard has been kidnapped by Q, as he does. Silly Q. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the Borg for the first time. The Borg. No. Yes. Oh, the good old Borg. <laughs> <laughs> they scare the crap out of me. <laughs> Especially yeah. this first this first episode. I don't know. Something about... Uh, everything about them is creepy to me. Yeah. It's the eyepieces, I think. The implants. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so gross. So gross. Think about that. Ugh. Yeah. Um, and then also the cube ship. Something about <sighs> cube. I, I don't know. Maybe because we as humans have this idea of what a spaceship should look like, and this is not it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah. the idea of assimilation is a, a time-honored sci-fi tradition. Uh, this is like basically the Star Trek version of the Cybermen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm. But yeah, I mean, seeing Guinan sit down and, and talk about how her people were lost. I mean, this is heartbreaking stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really helps to show how big of a threat. Well, first of all, it helps to show like how powerful Guinan is yeah you're right we we still don't really know what you know what that is what her history is with q and why he's so afraid of her but this you know this episode q who is great because it shows that it shows who she might have been in the past or you know what q and you know she and q had something going on and then also um if she's if someone that powerful is afraid of the borg she really helped launch our fear of the borg i think because There are other people, you know, uh, different species on the show that were threats to the Enterprise. And they always kind of came out ahead and it was great and it was fine. But when you have someone like Guinan being like, uh, you need to take this seriously, Picard. You need to protect your... Like, she really helped to kind of underline, this is a major, major threat. Don't, Don't take this lightly. 
Yeah, I mean, she kind of defines the stakes for us. Mm-hmm. The stakes yeah. being our entire civilization. Right, and she has these powers that we don't know about. Like in that conversation with Q, she like puts up these cat claws or something, and you're like, what is she going to do? Oh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> So it's like, wait, if she has all these powers, like, why is she also afraid of the Borg? You know, like, how bad is it? Ah. Right? (laughs) It must be. Yes, the Borg are no joke. I still want to know what the claw hands do. Seriously. Mm -hmm. Is she like the emperor in Star Wars where it's like shit comes out of it? And like, (laughs) this is why I want you to come back and Guinan and Q to fight. I actually want to see that fight because they both do it. They do like the, the weird claw hands and I'm like, please fight. I'm like sitting there like, yeah. fight, fight, fight. Yeah. Fight. It's a big unkept promise. Like, what is that about? <laughs> do it, do it. <laughs> the thing though that bothers me is that they don't listen to her for the most part. Like, they, they bring her in for all of the meetings, but Guinan's like, run away. She basically tells <laughs> them. She's like, run away. And Card's like, nah, I think we're going to, like, stick around and take a look, <laughs> see what we can find oh out. God. I'm like, no, man. When Guinan says run away, like, <laughs> run away. I don't understand. And her face in that scene is so great. She's like, wait, no, okay. So when I said run away... <laughs> <laughs> I meant actually leave. <laughs> it would have been a really short episode, though. <laughs> right, right. But see, this is why I would be a terrible captain of the Enterprise, because I would always run away. <laughs> Pull the sky. No, no. Somebody no. else can deal with that. I am going to run Bye. away. <laughs> there is always time to wait for backup. <laughs> I mean, the number of times in Star Trek where I'm just like shaking my head on the couch. I'm like the the person that's watching the horror movie and be like, "Don't run up the stairs." <laughs> <laughs> ah, I would be terrible at it. There would be no exploration. The admiral who's overly cautious is probably right. Don't just don't question things too much. <laughs> Yes, I would be terrible at it. But it does bother me because she's the only one with actual experience with them. And they don't Mm -hmm. listen to her. Maybe listen to her. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing, though. What's cool about that is, yeah, it's it's weird that they don't listen to her in that episode. But then look at (coughs) iBorg, where if they had listened to her, they would have just, you know, implanted Hugh with that. Or wait, no. Didn't they do that anyway? Okay, now I'm forgetting. But that was another episode where... Um, they are going to implant Hugh with a virus that would shut down the Borg Collective. Right. And she's all about it. And then they decide, no, no, not we're not going to do, do that. Right. Yeah. So, but but that's another episode where she's heavily involved in that. It's her Borg experience mm-hmm. coming up again. And they don't listen to her. But then she also kind of has a change of heart. And she's like, oh, maybe, you know... Like she And she she has a hard line against the Borg... And then Jordy convinces her to go talk to Hugh. And then after she talks mm. to him, he gives her a little kind of moment. He's like, aren't you afraid? Or something like that. Like, Hugh totally pulls a guinan on him. Her. Isn't that what you do? You should listen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, what? <laughs> Snap. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
shot. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, in all fairness, that's the first and only time you see her kind of uh, discriminate against someone or not discriminate, but like she makes a judgment before listening to the person. So she needs to be guided at that point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it's completely understandable. <laughs> this is the, this is the, the race that destroyed hers. So yeah, yeah. for her to not have hangups would be less believable, I feel. Um, for sure. And it just goes to show that when she does listen, she listens. You know, she actually, mm-hmm. she changes her mind and that's a powerful thing. And then she changes mm-hmm. Picard's mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had a another uh, listener comment on Facebook about this episode from Roy, uh, who said, my favorite guy in an episode is Iborg. She is so passionate and so human, quote in quotes, and at first allowing her fear to drive her to dismiss the drone's nascent self-awareness. It was nice to see a character who was often or who often was kind of too serene to be true, get to have a moment of vulnerability. Yeah, I mean, this whole Borg arc is great for her, I think. And that includes Best of Both Worlds. Because we have, she's there for the beginning. She's there for their biggest battle against them. Um, and she basically keeps Riker together during that time. And then at the very end of this kind of arc with I, Borg, she's there to usher in the new era of the Borg of, you know, humanizing them and taking them forward as a people. Mm-hmm. I love the Borg episodes. I'm not going to lie. Oh yeah. Even though they still scare me, <laughs> but that's why they're awesome. Maybe. Yeah, it's true. Basically, whenever the Borg showed up, I'm like, ah, especially after Beth- best of both worlds, which I have to say was the most, when I was live tweeting that, I mean, I just got, so many people are like waiting, <laughs> waiting for me to just freak out. And, um, I did. So like the, the moment when Picard is locutus, I was like crying. <laughs> Picard, no. No. <laughs> yeah. I think it was worth it for them. They were like, just wait, just wait. Are there uh, other episodes we want to talk about? I was thinking about yesterday's Enterprise. She's pretty great oh, in that, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> the most important part of that episode, clearly, is the prune juice thing. <laughs> oh. I mean, <laughs> I started drinking prune juice because of that, let me just say. Oh, man. A true warrior's drink. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that line. I, I love that episode. Um, So, Yesterday's Enterprise is another one where I feel like you probably haven't forgotten it. But uh, it's the one where we get two Enterprises and Tasha Yar comes back. And I've this is a, another where another one where we have Guinan being something more. Like she knows, she understands something more than everyone else. She knows something more than everyone else. She clearly has some sort of extra sense of what's going on. Yeah, and she, you know, she uses that uh, relationship with Picard um, and forces him to rethink and his decisions that are founded on the evidence at hand and to trust in her intuition, which is really cool. And to go with like what Tasha wants to do based on that. So it's again, like forcing him to recognize that his conventional wisdom and training about this isn't as important as the lived experiences and feelings of these two women characters. It's so delightful when our male characters actually listen to the women around them, isn't it? 
Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. It's rarer than I'd like, but when it happens, I get excited. <laughs> um, I also love how, um, like, she sticks by these characters that are kind of underdogs and helps them get the respect and trust um, and validation that they deserve from Picard and the other like honestly men who are leading the ship so i mean ensign Rowe is another example of that um in suspicions she convinces uh crusher to find out what happened in this mystery and stick up for herself and not let herself get kicked out of starfleet um there's a lot of examples of that and it's really awesome barkley she yes. has barkley <gasps> barkley oh. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. Guinan always supporting who she needs to support. I've always really loved that crusher Guinan scene in Suspicions. Because uh, mm-hmm. yeah. it's another one where she leads them there. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's the best part about Guinan's advice. is She's not telling you what to do. She's asking questions and letting you see things in a different light until you figure out what the right thing is to do. Yes, yes. And in the end, she's just like, oh, no, you know, I don't play tennis, you know, or like whatever, whatever the thing is, you know, like she'll let you know that you've been tricked and and kind of uh, turn on the light bulb for you're like, oh, okay, all right, I get it. I see what you did there. Thank you. (laughs) I wish I had the guy in in my life. (laughs) We could fence. (laughs) She would have been such an excellent therapist. Like, oh, yeah. There could have been a whole school. She could have been like Sigmund Freud. Like there would have been a Guinan school of therapy. Right? Like didn't she try to kind of steal uh, Troy's job at some point? <laughs> like, well, that was it. That was I mean, if you're going to leave. She did, though. <laughs> yeah. But that was her trickery again. Yeah. Okay. So like in the loss, she's trying to get Troy to understand that she can still do her job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, Guinan, right. you're too good at this. Yeah. <laughs> so good at it. I mean, can we Except think of a single character that she hasn't worked through some emotional crisis? No, <laughs> but there are some where she's less directly helpful. Like in my, I, I think my favorite Guinan scene is in the Dauphin, where Wesley's asking her for <laughs> yeah, romantic advice, oh and she's God. like my favorite scene. <laughs> and then like Riker just starts complimenting her, and then she's just like, "Yeah, go away, Wesley." <laughs> <laughs> That batter, that banter they have back and forth is so, oh my god, it's amazing. It's so just like old film noir type of like, oh, what would you do if I did this? Then I would do this. And it's just so good. Oh. Like what happens after he leaves? <laughs> oh, I know. They go behind the back of the bar. You, you, you think they didn't go home together after that? <laughs> I would love it if they did, to be honest. Uh, that's that's my head canon. They're both they're both um adults who I think would be able to, you know, manage their expectations about the situation and just have a good time. <laughs> I just like how enthusiastic she is. She's like, "Hmm, tell me more." Yeah, yeah tell me more about my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing well, she does like, in that episode which is amazing is um I remember watching this episode and being like, "Oh, poor Wesley. He's so out of his death." And he does that very teenage thing where he's like, I'm never going to get over her. I'm never going to feel this way again. And she's like, you're right. And I love that because you won't. And most when most teenagers do that, 
adults dismiss them. They dismiss their feelings. They're like, oh, everything's going to, you know, you're fine. You're overreacting. Guinan doesn't do that. She says, you're right. And you, you, this is unique and you will never feel like this again. And I just love that. Yeah. A plus, Guinan. A plus plus. Yeah. Oh. Good parenting skills. <laughs> we didn't talk about little Guinan yet. I love that. We're like little Guinan, and it's like, yay, little Guinan. Oh, little Guinan. That actress that played her when she was younger, um, I mean, where is she now? Because she's (laughs) actually not acting anymore. Um, (gasps) But uh, we we brought this up a little bit when we talked about uh, Roe, because that's also a good Roe episode. Um, that actress, and I could probably find her name if I took two seconds, but that actress is the same actress that plays little Whoopi Goldberg in Sister Act. No. (laughs) So like the very beginning of Sister Act when she's, you know, in Catholic school and being bratty, that is the same actress. Oh my my goodness. Yeah. So when they were, when they were like, who do we hire to play little Whoopi Goldberg? They were like, well, I guess we go with the same person. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, she's great. She's yeah. such a good little Guinan. Oh. And she's she's just so like calm and poised and just very Guinan. Um, oh God, that's so amazing. I I was just thrilled to see her like do Guinan, but you know, not be Guinan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she does a good job of of being like Whoopi Goldberg without doing a like impression kind of. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's more organic feeling. It feels so real. You know, when she says, it's been a long time since I was young. I'm going to enjoy it. Like, it just, it really feels like, yep, that's Guinan. It it doesn't, because, you know, sometimes you see child actors on TV shows and it feels a little weird or it's a little stilted. But with that actress, yeah, that performance is really great. She just really kind of nails it. And that's how Guinan would be. Guinan would be like, oh, this happened. Well, I'll Mm -hmm. make the best of it. Right. What's the positive the positive upside to this and again helping bro find the positive lord that that mm-hmm. enterprise would have fallen out of the sky without Guinan. let's just say that <laughs> everyone would have just had all these neuroses that they didn't deal with and all these relationship issues wait have we talked about jordy and leah yet oh no <laughs> we haven't i feel like that's the toughest love Guinan gave anyone jordy in regards yes. to leah He's, she's like, stop it. You're being ridiculous. You made this up in your head. <laughs> I get so mad about the whole Jordy Leah Brahms thing because he's being such a typical nice guy. Yeah. You know, and when I say nice guy, uh, this is not a guy who is nice. Okay. A nice guy is someone who thinks that he's owed something from a woman. Ooh. Usually sex, sometimes just gratitude or attention because he was nice to her. So, Mm -hmm. like, in this episode, he makes her pasta or something, and apparently that means she should, I don't know, fall in love with him. (laughs) Um, And I just love that Ghanan's like, no, no, Jordy. And I just picture her, like, like tapping his nose like he's bad. No. (laughs) Yeah. What do you guys think about Time's Arrow? Because I think that's that's like super interesting. It's really fun to see her like in the past and 
in this role, but it also read to me like no one addressed that it was an kind of in contradiction to the position that black women mostly would have been in at that period in time. Yeah. I, I don't know how I felt about that aspect of it. Um, I was rewatching it um, in the last few days and yeah, I mean, it's not just her either. So if it was just her, you could say maybe, you know, they just saw her as extraordinary or something and they just ignored the fact that she was black. But then there's other black actors in the background. And so you're just like, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, like totally not addressing this. Like there's um, that episode in DS9 where it's it's addressed, you know, so it's it's just weird to see it not addressed. But um. yeah, and I guess Jordy's walking around in that episode too, um, like hanging out with the other people and... Yeah. Yeah. I think it's there. Yeah. This. These Wait, episodes, is he? Yeah. Well, yeah, he goes to, yeah, he goes to that time period too. Um, yeah. And they ignore his visor as well. I mean, there's yeah. a few times yeah. where he takes it off, but there's other times where he's just like walking around with this metal on his face and everyone's like, there's a dude. Okay. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Cause yeah, I don't know. I feel like, um, I don't know how they could have worked it in, but I don't, love just you know pretending that history was more egalitarian than it was right yeah. right well for me as a writer again like I think um yeah it, it's weird it was weird to see that but then my mind was like oh maybe this and maybe that I kind of like explained it away in ways that might have made sense um back then it was like super super rare for someone to be of that status and be black but you know, there are small ways that that could have happened. Like if she was, if she appeared out of nowhere and she's like, oh, I'm from this country and I'm royalty there, then they would have been like, they would have been like oh, wow, that's interesting. Okay, we get it. Um, that would have been like one possible way. Another is, I, I, I don't know, if she just came from afar. I, that's the only, really, that's the only way I can imagine her showing up in yeah, San Francisco. Yeah, or if she had been, like, an illegitimate daughter of a super wealthy white man yeah. who had, yeah. like, mm-hmm. legitimized mm-hmm. her or something. Yeah. 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 Then yeah. They, yeah, exactly. They would have been like, oh, she has money. She's from, you know, from this family. So they would have been. And, like, and this white, white guy's so. going to vouch for her. So. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. So there are ways that it could have been possible. Um but then for me, again, like I watch it, I'm like, what's the story? Like, what was it like when she first got to Earth? And she's like, what is this slavery thing? Um, mm-hmm. But then uh, something. Oh, well, going back to Measure of a Man, um, you get I get the sense from her, you know, that scene we talked about with her and Picard, that she did witness slavery when she went to Earth. So she she, you know, she has an idea of it. She she knows she experienced it in some way it, with her own eyes and so I think, yeah, I think during that time she had some amazing way of being revered and being accepted by society, high society at that. But also she probably did come across uh, people who were enslaved at that time. And I think, again, it just informs like who she is and who she becomes throughout the series and mm-hmm. throughout her life. I mean, this is the, the issue with time travel stories across sci-fi. I mean, we had that problem with Doctor Who and Martha. Yeah. Where it's like, how do you how do you show that respectfully, without 
without sugarcoating it, but also without putting your your black characters in uncomfortable situations that are terrible. Right, right. It's a really tough thing to to write, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, there. I mean, just to speak uh, about Martha and Doctor Who for for a second. Um, there's this scene where they go back in time, and the Doctor's stuck. Uh, there and she's stuck there as well trying oh, to kind of look over yes. him and they subtly address it a little bit because they're like oh how do you even know about medical stuff and like shut up you know like, but um, and she's just there like oh gosh I can't say anything but I want to uh, slap everybody <laughs> you know? I hate that episode because she literally <laughs> has to be a maid for a significant amount of time yeah. while he basically has yeah. self-induced amnesia um, and so it does address it, but I just really dislike how, and then at the end, he's <laughs> mad at her for like pulling him out of this, this really nice fantasy where he could have yeah. had a, like a love You're relationship. <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, I'm sorry. I should have just gone back to being a maid forever and scrubbing <laughs> floors and having no one respect me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was really hard to uh-huh. watch some of the scenes where she's like on her hands and knees scrubbing while all mm-hmm. of the white characters are walking around and it's super cringeworthy. <laughs> well, some of her facial expressions are like, just wait till I can slap you. <laughs> good, good for her. But I mean, going back to time zero, like, would we have preferred that? That's, mm. that's, that's no. the problem with those stories. <laughs> is like, it's awesome to see Guinan be really powerful here. Is that accurate? Maybe not, mm. but then the, the yeah. other side of it is, do we want to see Guinan being oppressed? No. Exactly. No. Point. Yeah, I feel like yeah. she would peace out at that point. <laughs> She'd be like, oh, this, okay, bye. <laughs> you are not yeah. up to my standards. <laughs> Get yourself together. Yeah. I'll be back later if you can, you know, handle it. Yeah, I don't even think that was on the menu of options for what to do with Guinan in that episode. But, um, you know, for like, no one even remarked on the fact. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think I like that they were more creative with it. And like you said, because we've and the thing is, like, we've seen so many characters who black actors who play slaves. And, you know, we've seen that we and it's good. We need to keep revisiting history and and working through some things in our culture. But also, I think there are other ways to work through them that are more creative and more empowering that Mm -hmm. um, I think that's what they did with Time's Arrow and with Guinan. Yeah, it was pretty awesome to see her own the room. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, and I mean, part of the problem is honestly just like when Trek decides to do time travel or even like holodeck adventures in history, it's almost always like white, uh, like Eurocentric, um, uh, European or American history. So, you know, you're always putting yourself in that dilemma versus being more creative and actually trying to explore more global history um, or just even like, you know, history that's not the most conventional stories about white men. Yeah. I mean, how awesome would it be to see all of the white dudes on the Enterprise be awkward in, like, ancient China or something? Oh, my gosh! (laughs) That would be so much better. (laughs) Now I'm... Now I'm wishing that we could see that. Thank you for putting that in my mind. That's That's great. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Let's or like Harlem. What if they like went to Harlem in the twenties or thirties? 
<laughs> oh, how rad would that be? Oh that my was gosh. so awesome. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> I'm okay with anything that makes um, Picard awkward. So <laughs> awkward Picard is one of my favorite things. Yes. Yeah. Um, I feel like we should talk a little bit on uh, about Star Trek Generations, because I think th- that's like where we learn the most about Guinan's background. Um, plus, she gets to ride a miniature merry-go-round and be on the unicorn in Picard's <laughs> imaginary Victorian Christmas living room. <laughs> and as much as I'm, I'm not like a huge Generations is not among my favorite movies, um, I think Guinan is really awesome in it, and she plays a really significant part. I think uh, that was one, maybe I'm I'm aging myself here, but I think I saw that in the theater with my dad. Nice, yeah. Um, And I remember, oh God, seriously, like, just, sorry, just to go back to like the pure fangirl side of things, just seeing Whoopi on screen in that movie just gave me such joy. And I was just like, ah, she belongs there. This feels so good. Yes. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like the, going back to the story side of things, um, yes, it was so lovely that we got to, to delve deeper into her backstory and she was integral to the main story. You know, Soren, what's, what's the name? Soren? Soren? Or I forget his name. Um, Soren. Uh, Soren, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, his wanting to get back to the Nexus and him being a Lorian. Like, I love that we just got to see that, you know. Time is the fire in which we burn. <laughs> yes epic and one of the many epic lines but yeah i just love that we got to see learn more about allurians and um have her be integral to the main story just it's just the the simple things that's all you know just more guinan in integral ways that's all we need more guinan yeah when in doubt add more guinan (laughs) (laughs) it also then makes uh, her absence in first contact pretty glaring, because, especially because she has that background with the Borg that you could right, totally right. picture her in those final scenes. Um, I love Lily. I would have loved if they could have had both, but it um, it was like, but wait, what happened to Guinan? Why doesn't she care about how Picard's going all Ahab <laughs> in the Borg? Is she just, like, having shore leave or something? Yeah, she's about had it with the Borg. She's like, you know what, guys? I'm gonna just go off somewhere. <laughs> like, pick me up and ride. Yeah. I'll see you later. <laughs> Were there any other episodes we had to discuss? Uh, oh, there was this one episode. Um, I think it's season two, I think, where she's she just kind of mentions that she's attracted to bald men. And... <laughs> Like one of them took care of me when I was, you know, when I was hurting or whatever, like when I was in pain or something. I was like, okay, <laughs> I hear you, Guinan. I hear you. <laughs> I mean, I think that was call me crazy, but I think she was referring. Was she referring to Times Arrow? Um, when Picard, because Picard helps her when they're stuck in the cave. Oh, everyone goes mm-hmm. back to the Enterprise, but she's like, "You stayed behind to help me," and he's like, "Yes, I want to make sure you're okay." And she's like, "Oh." That was such a tender moment. Yes. See, all those Picard guided moments just, oh, they get me. They get me, man. Is this ship uh. a thing? Like, let's let's put it out there. Is that a thing? Like, is there fanfic? Okay. Single um. grouping of characters that is not a ship for someone somewhere. How could Picard and Guinan not have been a thing at some point? 
series. Like just even briefly, you know? And then they became friends because that's a deeper connection. Mm-hmm. You know? I can see it. It's official, guys. It's official. It's official. <laughs> what would their shining name be? Ooh. Ooh. Kynan. <laughs> Guy card. Guy card. Guy card. Any last thoughts on Guinan? She's amazing. More Guinan. Oh, more Guinan. <laughs> we love her. All right. So uh, that's about all we have to say about Guinan. We also wanted to remind you about our Women at Warp Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash women at warp. If you'd like to support us directly, you can visit us there and uh, pledge even a small donation. It gives you access to cool behind the scenes, exclusive patron content and things like that. And it helps us be able to keep our podcast going and promote it uh attend conventions and that kind of thing to help spread the word. Um, If you uh, want to support us in another way, a really helpful way is to um, subscribe and review us on iTunes if you're not already. Um, This helps new audiences discover our podcast, uh, so we would appreciate your feedback there. Thanks so much for joining us, Lizzie. Where can people find you? They can find me on the internet. Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Shakesquery. And Aliza, where can people find you? Um, yes, also on the internet um, at Aliza Pearl, A L I Z A Pearl, on Twitter and Instagram. And then my series, Gyn in the Series. Uh, it's that <laughs> at Gyn in the Series on Twitter and Instagram, and also on Facebook. If you haven't had a chance yet, guys, check out the um, the kind of teaser trailer that they put together for Gyn in the series. It looks really, really awesome, and you'll be able to see her rock the hat. And Jr, mm-hmm. where can people find you? You can find me at trekkiefeminist.tumblr.com or at Jarrah Penguin on Twitter. That's at J-A-R-R-A-H Penguin. And I'm Andy. You can find me most easily at uh, at First Time Trek, where I'm live tweeting my first time through Star Trek. Um, and you can find Women at Warp at womenatwarp.com or on our Facebook page, Women at Warp. Thanks so much for tuning in.